Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so anyway, we're going to open up our Bible today. We're going to start uh, with this series called Experiencing God. We're going to do this for a bit. We're going to go with, we're not going to do what the book gives, but we're going to give some context to it. So in case you're here and you don't get a chance to join, so you can uh, go to John fifteen five, And then uh, I got a good friend who's going to be helping with some stuff here in a minute and, um, and bringing this down a little bit more. But um, the idea of this is to help you hear from God. That, that's my heart's desire is that you would be able to hear from the Lord. That's all I really care about. Because ultimately, if you can hear from God, then you're going to be directed by the Lord. And if everybody in the body was hearing from God, how much better would that be for not just our church, but the community around us and the people we live around? Don't you think so? Like if, if the Lord was to show you something, if the Lord was to give you something that would alter the thinking process of your neighbor, and you led your neighbor to Christ... Would that not be awesome? And you came in here and said, you're not going to believe this. Week five of this Bible study, I was just reading through and just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going through it. It was a busy week. And my neighbor was out there by the fence. And I went out and taught in this verse. And it happened to me. He said, why would you say it? And then, oh, could that really happen? Yes, it could really happen. Absolutely. So I really would encourage you to do this, not to try to finish a, a book, <clears throat> but to hear from God. So let me just read this to you. John 15, 5. And uh, I'm going to put this on the screen for you in the context of the verse. This is the American Standard Bible. I'm going to leave this up here for you. That's the verse I'm just going to hold up there. I'm going to give you a little pre-before and pre-after, but I want you to leave this up there for him, guys, if you don't mind. Okay, so this is John 15, 5. Jesus says, I'm the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Understand the context of pruning is to do what? To gain more fruit. I mean, I'm just pruning a bunch of fruit trees and things in my house right now. And you look at it and think, well, why would you prune that great shoots coming out of the tree? or the, or the Why would you prune that? It looks like it's growing great. Well, the problem is, uh, by doing that, letting it just get out of hand, it's not going to produce the right fruit in the yield that you're looking for. You have to prune. You have to. And that's when your life, when it's so cluttered with chaos and and, 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 and everything else, and confuse, anything that's cluttering, you got to prune some stuff. You just got to every now and then. It's okay. But if we want to yield fruit, I'm telling you right now, this is a part of the process. So anyway, he says, You have already been pruned and purified the, by the message I have given you. So this is a good word. One uh, translation says, You are clean. I love that. The words of Jesus, when you read the words of Jesus, they should never make you feel guilty. They should always make you feel clean. Now, you might have to repent and change your mind or something, but I'm just telling you, I've never opened my Bible and was oppressed. You know what I'm saying? I've never opened my Bible and felt like, oh, man, I just feel so... No. If I start feeling... I've got to realize why. Either I need to go before the Lord repent of something, or I, but his words are life. He brings, they brings me joy, man. I ought to be glad when I read his word. Anyway, so he says, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. If you prune a branch from the vine, throw it to the side like I just did with all my grapevines, they will not produce. I've watched. They just sit there. Burn them. Because they're not any good. Now, you can take it one of two ways, and we'll talk about some in a minute, but hours a week, 
playing video games. I'll pick it on you if you play video. I don't care. Do what you want to do. But if I spend 40 hours a week playing a video game, that might need to go in that pile. I mean, could, just cut out 10 hours. Let's see how that works. If you say to me, I can't do that, I'm th- you got a problem. Now, you pick anything other thing you want to do that. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me if you tell me I can't do without, and it's like not life-threatening. I'm sorry. You can't stuff. That's what we want, right? So anyway, some, some stuff could go in that pile. Anyway, he says that I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything that you want and it will be granted unto you. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great, watch this, glory to my Father. Now, I wanted to read this first, and uh, like I said, I got a wonderful friend coming up going to help me with this, and we're going to talk some about discipleship and why it's so important. But this idea of remaining in him, the New American Standard says it like this, those who abide in me, abiding in Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. But I want you to think about that. What does it mean to abide in him? Positionally speaking, as a Christian, you're in Christ. I mean, Ephesians 2, go read it. There's plenty of great stuff in there. But what does it mean to really abide in him? So we're going to talk some about that, and we're going to talk about the importance of why something like this is important to remember. He's first. Let's hear from God. Let's remain close to him and not get so entangled with this world and all the things it involves and has for us to do. Nothing wrong with doing some stuff. Go fishing, go hunt, whatever you want to do. I don't know, go shopping, whatever you like. I don't know, whatever you like. I don't care about that. I'm just saying, if it preoccupies my time so much, where I would say, Pastor Jody, I'm sorry, I don't have time. That something's wrong. I love you in Jesus' name, but I'll be straight up with you. Something's wrong. There's just something out of, out of order. Something's wrong. So what do we do? You've got to rearrange some stuff, right? Figure out some stuff. So this morning, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And so my good friend, uh, Carolyn Clark, Tim and Carolyn and their daughter, Abby, are here in town. And so if you don't know who that is, you get more information about that on the, law, on the wall in the lobby. But she's going to come. We're going to talk some about abiding in him. We're going to talk about discipleship. And uh, if you don't know them, they, I'll tell you what she, she can tell you what she does in just a minute. But anyway, would y'all welcome this morning? She is a... Uh, she always says she's my sister from down under. <laughs> she literally is. Australian. Is that a good Aussie. accent? I'm an Aussie. Aussie. Is that a good accent or is that more New Zealand? Say Aussie. Again? Aussie. That's more New Zealand. <laughs> I'm always doing I don't know. My kids do it all the time. You hear the house. It goes from Australian to English to... They didn't make up all kind of stuff. Yeah, most Americans trying to do Australian sound British. Bananas. There you go. All right, so we're going to talk some about discipleship. And I, I was going to say what you do, but I thought, you know, I'm going to wait because I wanted you to. And one of the reasons why is because what they do is, is a little, um, well, it's we, unique. We, we work in situations that um, have a lot of possible dangers and security issues and levels did, of persecution. Yeah, I didn't want to say it that way, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I want to let you say it. So, but would you share a little bit about, um, so 
again, like, I'm going to say this real quick. Due to security stuff, please don't record anything we're saying in here. Um, we're broadcast. She can say she, she's going to say what she wants, but please don't take photos of us, videos of anything right now. Okay, just for today, please. I'm asking y'all not to do that. Just want to make sure that was that's good there, and um, go through some of this stuff here. So, would you share a little bit about what you can, just for those who may not know what you guys do, and then um, that what you can share about that. So, I'll tie it in with what you're talking about. Yeah, because this passage on abiding or remaining preparing the disciples for him about to leave. And he's trying to pre- he starts to prepare them for what's going to happen now. What are you going to be busy doing? What am I sending you out to do? And so what we're doing as far as the big picture kind of God story is being fruitful. We're, we're attempting to be fruitful in doing what Jesus has sent the church, his people to do, which in its big picture is making disciples of Jesus. Thank you. Gracias. Oh, brother, thank you for that. He whispered in my ear, your chair is broken. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a good team member That right would have there. been memorable. That would have been memorable. That would have been memorable. Thank you, Joey, for caring enough. Man, that would have been bad. It would have been fun, though. You would have laughed. You would have, I know you would have laughed. You would have thought it was hilarious. So would my family. Um, so we're making disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go into all the world, you know, make disciples of all peoples, all nations or ethne, um, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So as far as the big story of what we're doing, we're busy doing that and we're busy doing it in the Arab world. Discipleship, either reach your neighbor or reach the nation. But you got to pick, we got to do one, right? Nobody's... We're not exclusively off the hook because we, oh, we go to a church or we have this or that. We either reach a nation or reach our neighbor. We got to, one of them has to be. Sure. We're all part of the story. I mean, the the greatest privilege of my life, and I think of yours if you embrace it, is that God invites us into his story of what he's doing in the earth. And we all have a part to play. Yeah. So... One of the things, like, so Carolyn, she has been around uh, our family. We have been friends for quite a while. Um, I have learned a great deal, uh, especially when it comes to missions, outreach, and international ministry uh, from her. I have learned on the ground with unique experiences that you can't control. And I've learned um, how to prepare, you know, as best you can to take a team overseas. If you went with me, I, we try to do the best we can for what comes. But in the context of what they're doing now, um, it is, the Lord is doing something very unique that it's, it, it, to me, not, you know, like say, trying to lift you guys up in a way that's outside of, but appreciation and honor and saying like, thank you for what you're doing because it, I know it's not easy. The area where you're going into and what you're doing, not just difficult, but the challenges that you face, but to make disciples in that region and the way that you have to do it we're going to have to make disciples too, but when they can't go, for instance, you guys get to come to church, but you don't get that option. You might go to church because of, when we say persecution, we think, I don't know if you can talk about that, but here, I mean, if you get persecution calls, whatever, you, you put a bumper sticker on your car that said, I love Jesus. Maybe somebody honks at you, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of person. there's some, but nothing like what you guys are seeing there. Um, how do you make disciples when people... 
they can't go to a church necessarily. Um, let me kind of explain that a little better because there are churches like you would think of as a church, like most of us as Americans or Westerners. There are church buildings, there are pastors, there are places of worship. It's very small. In most of the Arab world, it would be less than 0.2% of the population are hmm. uh, what we call ethnic Christian, which just means their background, sometimes going thousands of years, is Christian. Okay? Yeah. And they do have churches, and we can attend those churches. Um, the majority of people come from a different background, as you would know. Um, and it's kind of like this. If they become a follower of Jesus, and they want to go to a church that meets like that, that looks like kind of what most of us think about as churches, it would be at tremendous cost. Hmm. I kind of put it, an illustration like that. It's like we're rescuing people that are drowning in the ocean. But the churches that we mostly know about that are in that ocean trying to reach those people, they say, Here, here's a boat, come in the boat, jump in the boat, but you've got to leave your family behind. Don't bring your wife, don't bring your children. You might need to leave your job, you know, but you can come in the boat. And for people of majority background that come to know Jesus, that want to join that kind of church, mostly they have to leave their family, sometimes their spouse, their children, sometimes their, their country, if they want to meet like that. But there are churches that look very different, very different, much more like what if we know the book of Acts, the church would look like in the book of Acts. They meet in houses, and they meet in cafes, and they're more deeply planted in the community of the majority population. So we're not directly involved in those churches, kind of we don't necessarily go to those churches, but we mentor and coach the leaders of those churches. Yeah. So the, effectively the pastors, yeah. although yeah. they're not usually called that, <laughs> um, but there's spiritual leaders of a community of believers that are embedded in the kind of majority culture in the Arab world. Yeah, and so when you, when you talk about that, so the, the idea, would you just say there, kind of um, sparked my, my thinking about this from a persecution standpoint. So I don't know if you can say this or not, but how you go about it, you said, I'm not... You don't necessarily go to that group, but you're, how you're doing it is a much more effective way. Yeah. Can you share any of that? Like how sure, you're, yeah. Okay. So um, it's very relational. We don't use the word disciple necessarily with those that we're spending time with just because it's kind of a religious word, um, um, and it takes some explanation. But we coach and we mentor and it is disciple-making. And a lot of that is firstly really valuing relationship. Yeah. So we're trying to follow the example of Jesus. Because, you know, it may surprise you, didn't, Jesus didn't lead a church like this. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, um, and he is the great master of making disciples. He had three that he was really close to. He had 12, and then he had about 70, 72. And one of the main ways he made disciples was really living with people, having lots of conversations with people. Mm. I mean, we're fellowshipping, eating meals. You know, we talk about doing life with people. Yeah. Um, 
Modeling. We do a lot of modeling, so people see how we live, how we love, how we love one another. Um, and we talk about scripture all the time. I mean, our conversations every day, as much as possible, are about Jesus, and more specifically, about what Jesus taught or about what the apostles taught. And so that's how we do it. It's very relational, yeah, very, very relational. organic. Sometimes we have to do it on Zoom calls. We do a lot of Zoom calls, <laughs> a lot of more kind of high security calls. There are other um, applications that we use. But a lot of the time, too, it's just going and being with people. Yeah. And so in the background, you know, you can figure out the context of what she's talking about, I think. Um, uh, when we say in the area, in the region, it's a, it's a, whole, it's a lot different. So culturally speaking... Uh, if you've only been in America, well, let me just say this. If you've only been in Rome, you need to at least, you can do this part. You can at least drive uh, to Atlanta. Atlanta's very diverse. Different nationalities live in Atlanta. You can get around some things. So you can actually see some other cultures. But we're talking about exclusively a completely different m- mindset of thinking that you, unless you have this background, you would not, I would not. I, if I went with her, I would have to literally... I would say nothing and just follow and listen because I would not know how to even interact. So when you stepped into this, this is a big deal for you guys. I don't you want to know what Tim and Carolyn did. They, this is a big deal. And we were talking just a little bit about discipleship. And I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but I, I thought it was really good about the idea of cost. And discipleship in our culture, it's not, you know, it's a Bible study, which is great. But that's not what we're going for here. The idea of discipleship being... There's some things that Jesus calls us to that aren't so, like, fun that we like. You know, like, you don't always get, sometimes it's a, uh, I don't know if you want to share some of that or not. Do you, you remember how you said that? I'm throwing you on the spot a little bit. I just thought it was really good. Well, it was really interesting. So this is just something the Lord does with me. I'm not telling you to do it. Last year, the Lord had me really just all year meditating, praying, studying on the topic of abiding and of remaining. Um, But this year, my word (laughs) is follow. And I'm looking at both the every invitation that Jesus made to follow him, to come follow me. And of course, in the book of Acts, the invitation to be a follower of Jesus. And there's one thing that I've really noticed is that every time Jesus makes the invitation to follow him, there are words that he also includes in that invitation. And they are words like leave, deny, lay down, die. And they are almost always associated with following Jesus. So Jesus didn't make this real flowery invitation. (laughs) You know, come follow me. No, he said things like, you know, unless you um, hate your life. Hate, what's another one? That's an interesting word. Unless the way you value your life so much decreases and the way you love me so much increases. You know, unless you're willing to leave family and possessions and houses and goods, unless you're willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Good news, isn't it? 
But actually, there's really something about losing your life and giving it away for Jesus that enables you to find and discover a life better than you ever imagined. And though it's hard where we are, and though we make an invitation to people, not to something that's easy, but that's something that's really challenging, um, it's so worth it. Yeah. No, it's absolutely, it's worth it all. I, I think because of those words, that, that's kind of what I thought of when I think about someone who converts, like you just said. When you ask them to get in that boat, you're saying, yes, you're going to save your life, but you're giving up. And that's what I thought about when you said that. This is not like for here to put into our context what happens when, when you come to Christ in, in Rome, Georgia. Well, like I see my kids about inflation, you have enough churches to pick from. Just being honest, there's just not, it's not the same. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us, it doesn't mean God doesn't care for us, but it's just the impact of that persecution. It's hard for us to get, it's hard. When she tells me this, my mind has a hard time understanding, really? Is it really that? Like, they have to give up that much? Because I'm just, I've never been immersed into that. And so, and that's not to, to, to say that, you know, that God doesn't want to move through us or anything like because we don't have as much persecution. It just means that we might ought to need to be more aware of it, that discipleship for us is going to look a little different when we leave, follow, give up, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe it's just laying down those video games you were talking about. <laughs> but that, that is aspect of it because we, we, we really, Jesus becomes Lord of our time. Yeah, does. He becomes Lord of our interests. He becomes Lord of our affections. Mm-hmm. He becomes Lord of our opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he becomes Lord of our allegiances. Mm-hmm. This, this is not some mild kind of mealy meal invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can believe in Jesus and even the demons believe. Right. Yeah. And people all over our region believe in Jesus. They have lots of wonderful thoughts about Jesus. Actually, some amazing thoughts about Jesus. But there's a difference between believing in Jesus and being a disciple and being a follower of Jesus. That's a good word. Even the demons believe. That's a good word. All right, so let me ask this. What about um, when you you reach somebody with Christ there, what are some of the first things you do? So if you're going to impart um, these beliefs that we... I mean, there's some great beliefs in this Bible study we're going to do. Great beliefs. You're going to get some great meat from this. But I don't imagine you could take a book like this there. I don't know. But what are some of the first things you guys begin to impart to Christians that are coming from this ma- the majority of their religion background? Well, I think, um, you know, religion has a flavor to it. <laughs> That's, it just mm. It leaves the same taste in the mouth. Whether it's a religion in the name of church or Christianity or... Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam, whatever. There's a flavor to religion. Um, And so we emphasize that we're not inviting you into another religion. That's pretty a big deal. And we don't use the words Christian necessarily. Um, But we are inviting them to meet Jesus, discover Jesus, who he really is, and become a follower of Jesus. So that's our first emphasis. It's not a religious change, yeah. okay? So you say or even follow. a cultural change. It's a f- who are you going to follow change? Who's yeah. the Lord of your life? 
Okay, so that, that's one thing we do. And then we have simple things, you know, that we like to do first, like baptism. We try to follow the example of the book of Acts because yeah. we just think it really is a blueprint. It can be applied different ways. So, yeah. so baptism is one of the first steps, and it's pretty significant whether um, we emphasize both in water and in the spirit, yeah, like, absolutely. like they did in the book of Acts. And that's what we would consider a kind of first steps. Um, we emphasize fellowship. We, we call it breaking bread. And it's very much um, a part of culture, local culture, eating together. They are big on eating together. You mm. think Americans like to eat together? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just eating together and being together. I mean, three-hour, four-hour meals are just normal. I think we have a couple of photos. Can you show one of those? I, I remember seeing that one you sent me. I don't know if they can show up some of these while you're talking about that. So I will say these photos are from a secure area. They're from a country where it's, what, these activities are not illegal. Look at yeah, that. That's normal. In, 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 that's a meal. In a, in a meeting. That's how we do church. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's, that's part of church. There you go. <laughs> Eating, um, breaking bread together and, and fellowshipping together. And it's so important because so much of what it means to follow Jesus is how we love one another and how we interact with one another. So that's another thing that we emphasize and that's a big part of what we do. And then we really emphasize the, the role of the word of God, mm. of scripture, but particularly the teachings of Jesus yeah. and the teachings of the apostle. Because we don't want to come in there and religious leader now follow us. Mm-hmm. We really don't want to do that. We want them to follow Jesus and follow his teachings. So just like the parable that Jesus gave of the wise and foolish man, You know, the wise man built his house on the rock, which is hearing and obeying the scripture, the the words of God. Foolish man heard but didn't obey. Mm. Everything we do is trying to draw people towards scripture, particularly the teachings of Jesus, particularly the teachings of the apostle. And we exalt the role of scripture. So, like I said, our conversations, sometimes I feel like I'm a walking Bible concordance. (laughs) I spent, you know, I spent years teaching in Bible schools and ministry schools all around the world. And now I don't do this, but I lead people to scripture. I don't tell them what I think, but I say, hey, Jesus said something about this. Let's look at that. (laughs) And then we ask questions about that. And we teach them, as Matthew 28 said, to obey everything he commanded. So we do emphasize obedience a lot, obedience to the teachings of Jesus, but not in a religious way. It's, it's more love-based. If you yeah. love him, mm. if you believe in him, if you want to follow him, then let's obey him. So yeah. we have eight, we've kind of arranged the teachings of Jesus into eight broad categories. And because a lot of the people we work with, they don't necessarily read and write. Some of them are oral learners. We yeah. have really exciting, it's kind of like children's ministry or youth ministry sometimes. We have really exciting ways of helping people remember what Jesus told us to do and how to live. Repent and believe. Yeah. Be baptized break bread together, love God, love each other, love your neighbor, love your enemy, pray, 
give, heal the sick, cast out demons, and go make disciples. And that's basically, I've just told you everything Jesus taught in broad categories. And so that's what we focus on, keeping it really simple so that everything we do, they can hear it once, just hear it once. And then they can go and tell somebody else. So it's easy to reproduce. Yeah. I didn't even think about the oral speaking and the oral learning. Like, I, I didn't, you just said that, I didn't think about, you know, you can't read, write kind of issue there that would bring about a different. Yeah. So, you know, when we meet together, if one of us can read, which is usually a few that can, then they'll read the passage that they're looking at. And then maybe somebody else will read the same passage. Sometimes, you know, we're meeting with Iraqis and Syrians and, and Kurds. And so there's different kinds of Arabic spoken. Um, so more that the Bible story will be read a few times, if it can be. And then we may ask somebody to tell us, just from memory, what they heard. Because the goal is to get the word of mm-hmm. God deeply in their hearts. And then we ask some questions about it. Yeah. Well, that's really good because like this, I think like this right here, it's handy, but I'm going to tell you something. You can quickly look up a Bible verse now, um, where it used to, when we were in, like we used to have all the concordances she's talking about. We would have to go and search. We didn't have the internet to, you know, search it really quick. We had to go find it and have all these books out everywhere, but you can find something so fast now that sometimes you forget. It really doesn't matter what Google has in its heart. It's what's in our heart that really matters. Because that's when I'm going to need it is when something happens or something's going down. I, that's what's in me. I need that at that moment. I can't, what if I can't search? What if I don't? You know, your word, O oh Lord, is hidden in my heart. Yeah. Not Google, right? But I think it's interesting what you said about that. That I, I, did not, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Well, again, we're not making an invitation, and this is so important in the region that we work in, that we are not trying to get people to convert to another religion. Yeah. We're trying to get them to have a deep connection with Jesus and to be a follower of him. Um, and so in order to do that, they have to value the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. Not like coming and following this imam or this priest or this pastor, but following Jesus. Yeah. And so the role of scripture is really exalted And we try and just get everyone to love the teachings of Jesus and to look at them really intelligently. There are some basic questions. I mean, this is how I look at it. Most people that come to know Jesus will be better winners of others, better sharers than I will ever be. Mm. I'm horrible at the language. I'm learning, (laughs) but I'm still awful at it. I'm culturally so different. But if somebody from the majority background comes to know Jesus, usually miraculously, they become so effective in witnessing for for them. So my goal is to equip them with some really simple tools. And so when we study scripture, there's usually at least three, sometimes four questions that I can teach them to ask once, and then they can go and do it with somebody else. And we have so many stories of somebody becoming a follower of Jesus, getting baptized, and the next day winning others. Hmm. Sometimes that day winning you know, family and yeah. friends. And so the questions are when you read a passage or you tell a passage or tell a story of Jesus, 
What does this teach us about God? And we'll discuss that. What do, you, what do you learn about God in this passage? What do you learn about humans? Which is often, what do you learn about yourself yeah. in this passage? If we believe this to be true, how does it change what we do? Hmm. And this is really practical. This is becoming not just a hearer, but a doer, right? Because like yeah. I said, even the demons believe. <laughs> But we're not only going to be a believer, but we're going to act on what he's taught us. So we have some real practical conversations. Change how I behave. This week, what can I do differently? Because I believe this to be true. And then the fourth question is, who can you share this with? We want people to share the love of God and share the teachings of Jesus as broadly as they can. So who do I have a relationship with who am I, who, whose life am I in, my neighbor or a family member, that I can even just say, do you know, Jesus told this story and just share it with them. I think it's really good. Like, from that area, I think here, so one of the things Haley and I do next week, we'll go and volunteer uh, to help with uh, North American Mission Board to help potential people who want to plant churches, right? Mm-hmm. So, but that's North America. Yep. So that's what we're familiar with here. And, and they do it, and they'll go and plant in a church, hopefully, you know, the goal is to infiltrate, like, some cities that are really, uh, don't have a lot of churches like we do. Like, in your city, just to put context together, you have, uh, for every 588 people in Rome, Georgia, and Floyd County, there's one church available. Let that sink in. There's one church available for every 588 people in Rome, Georgia, and Floyd County. Did y'all connect what I just said there? I don't want you to check out. If you go to Boston, there's one church for every 70,000 people. The lostness in that part of the region of North America is extreme. There's lost people here too, but you understand the attrition. It just so here though, that's what we're familiar with. They'll go and plant churches, and that's great. But if I were going to ask you, because I wonder if anybody has this question, are you going to go plant a church in um, where you're at? Again, not the way you think of church, probably. <laughs> um, and also, I don't. I mean, we'll always be obedient. I think more our role is as a spark, you know, to ignite churches. And again, we don't often use that word, even though it is a correct word. It's just that because the word's being misused. We Mm. might say community, or if you get our newsletters, you'll hear us talk about networks of Mm -hmm. believers. Um, We're very open to sparking those networks, you know, which means mentoring and discipling an individual that then leads others to Christ and other families to Christ. And so we're more like lighting a match, right? Yeah. Um, but most of the time, I think what we'll do is be more of a kind of Barnabas figure. Yeah. And Barnabas went and found others that were called and equipped and we're just the encourager, and, and the, we pray for them, and we coach them, and we weep with them, and we mourn with them, and we hmm. you know, do all sorts of things just to keep them strong and focused. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful because the background, everything you explained, they need that desperately. And I love your heart, too. We'll be obedient. I, I, know, I know you would, but I, I love the fact that you guys are in there poured into these individuals and you know, that they're not by themselves, you know, that you're, you're with them in it. And I, you know, if you are inclined towards prayer, which I hope you are, um, I don't think I could really describe the loneliness hmm. that many people of majority background in the Arab world feel when they come to Christ. 
um, there's both great joy and tremendous sacrifice. And so, for instance, one of the individuals that we've invested a lot in this last year, he lost his wife. I mean, his wife actually betrayed him to the security police. He can't now, he's basically the, the security police in the country that he was living in. Have, they, they captured him, they imprisoned him, they tortured him. They put him in a room that is as big as a cupboard for 48 hours. We couldn't even sit down, lie down. They put a steel rod in his mouth and they beat him so that he lost most of his teeth. Worse, he's being betrayed by Christians, betrayed by ethnic Christians, out of envy sometimes. And this happens so often. So the loneliness, both joy in finding truth in Jesus, but great pain in loss. I mean, this is really real. So so we spend a lot of time just encouraging. And and I, I would ask you, if you are ever prompted to, to pray for leaders like this. Because they endure a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to fill your bowl. If you don't have enough to fill your bowl with, there you go. Go to the Lord in prayer for them, for what they're doing over there. You know, give the angels something to look at, right? Fill your bowl up with some prayers, right? So, <clears throat> how about this? What, what do you love Because where you're at, what do you love most? Give us some things about. Because I, I wonder if like, people are like, oh my gosh, what's next? Is she going to be like, hey. Maybe you should come with me there. Like, you know, I don't know what's going on in people's minds right now, Carolyn. You know, like, well, hang on, nervous. hang on. <laughs> because if we are genuinely following Jesus, you know, leaving, denying, laying down. <laughs> I totally opened the door for that. <laughs> you <really? laughs> sure did. And any oh, of man. us at any time should be ready. You know, just to think, no, it's not me. Oh my goodness. I mean, I know there's a grace for whatever God asks us to do. He does equip us. But if you had asked me even just 10 years ago that I would be doing this, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> so, yeah, stay ready <laughs> and open. <laughs> Good challenges right there. Some of you might need to give up video games and go. <laughs> Okay. Stay ready and open. <laughs> oh, it's such an adventure. What What do I love about? Yeah, give us some stuff you love. Yeah. Well, I love the, ad- the food. I do right? love the adventure of it. Yeah. Um. Honestly, there are weeks, and again, we're not in the thick of it because we're a Barnabas role of mentoring, coaching. But the stories I hear, hmm. angelic visitations. I mean, so often people encountering in visions and dreams Jesus, who they know is Isa al-Messiah, or angels. And often, you know, they're not, they're not even followers of Jesus. This is just part of the pathway. If those of you that know scripture and know the story of Cornelius, you know, this is being experienced all across the region. And we get to hear this regularly. Almost every couple of weeks, we hear some amazing story of a dramatic encounter with Jesus or an angel and how that led to somebody following Jesus or a miracle healing. I mean, just the other day, um, we had uh, somebody who was in a coma for days because of a car accident and head injuries. And a man appeared in the room in white, looking like a surgeon, but he wasn't. No Nobody knew him in the hospital. And, and this man came out of a coma that he had been in. And, 
And we get to hear the most amazing stories. So it's like, we just know we're where God is working. Yeah, right. And I love being where God is Mm. working. Yeah. Even if it's just a small part, it is such a wonderful life to, to do that. And so that's one of the things I love the most. And also, um, there's a lot about culture. Because when, when, you, when you swim in the waters of a culture, whether it's, you know, because you know I'm Australian, so I came to America, and America changed me. Well, now I swim in Arabic waters, and it changes you. And, and one of the things that have changed is just our deep connection with people hmm. and how we fellowship and how we love one another and the, the deep relationships that you develop with people and the amount of time that you just spend with people, it's, it's changed me, and I think it's changed our family, and we love it. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I, you know, you've always been very intentional and very, whatever God said, all in, 100%. But it is, it is interesting to hear you talk and say things that you say. I, I can see. And I think that the two of you, I think we all need to be in the same category, being willing to give up whatever he says and whenever he says. I just would say that I think that for the two of you guys and for Abby and what you're doing, uh, our prayers for you as you direct and move forward in what you're doing um, definitely want to fill our bowls up with what you're doing. And it's not to say we don't pray for everybody else either, but there's a, I mean, just that one story, that's one of, I don't know how many, I've heard you, you've shared a different story with me, I don't know how many different, and it just, you know, your heart drops to the floor. And then at the same time, God sent people willing and said, yes, here I am, Lord, send me. And they were willing to go. And so as a church, we, we want to pray for them. Um, I want to know if there's anything else you want to share. Is there anything else in your heart you want to say? Just some of, some of the challenges. Yeah, some of the challenges, yeah, sorry. Um, well, that will help you pray too, but also maybe help you if you get invited to leave, deny, lay down. Um, adapting to the culture is, is quite challenging. I mean, you know me. It was hard enough here in the South. <laughs> <laughs> Australians are very direct. Yeah. And I'll say it nicely. No bull, you know. <laughs> direct. We call a spade a spade, a shovel a shovel, whatever. You know, and um, not so much in the South. Um, so in, in the Arab world, oh gosh, um, culture is very different. It is a lot like the culture where Jesus ministered. And so, again, one of the things I enjoy is the way I read Scripture now, the way I read the Gospels and the New Testament has entirely changed hmm. it's, uh, because I see the cultural context more yeah. um, and I'm experiencing it. Yeah. But it is also difficult. It's, it's like... You know, you know, I think I explained it to you because um, we travel between different countries where you're driving on the left side of the road, right side of the road, left side of the road, right side of the road. And whenever I make a transition, I'm literally for the first week talking to myself as I drive. If you ever see me do that, that's what I'm doing. If I pull out into the wrong lane, that's why. Um, and so it's like a conscious shift that I have to make mentally. Well, adapting to a new culture is like that. But you are constantly on. You know, it's, it's like a mental alertness that can yeah. be really exhausting. 
A bit, yeah. And learning to effectively make disciples to handle issues of family and marriage and handling truth and handling shame and honor and and all sorts of things in a very different culture, it can be wearing. So you you can pray for us there. Um, Language learning. (laughs) I'm looking at Tim because he's doing formal lessons. You've got to pray for Tim. I'm so proud of him. Abby's learning organically in fact, and she's also teaching English to Iraqi refugees, so you can pray for her. Um, I'm learning online and just organically, but it is hard. I think, I think the other thing is because we deal a lot with refugees or people that are experiencing great suffering and persecution, and this is hard to say because we're not experiencing it, right? All we're doing is listening, coaching, praying for, supporting, encouraging. But it, there's a secondary response. You know, the, the people to try to intentionally prepare people for persecution and suffering. Hmm. And not to escape it. That it is part of the cost, you know, and... You know, I would challenge you to reread the New Testament because it certainly is mentioned a lot, persecution and suffering. That is, um, I mean, we have regular counseling. We have somebody we debrief with. But I would say there's a secondary pain that we experience because we cannot rescue these people from it. In fact, we have to prepare them for it. And that, yeah, we appreciate your prayers, not only for us, but of course for them. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot, and I, I know that when we talk about discipleship, it's hard. It's hard for us. It's hard for me. I, I've talked to her enough that I should. It's hard to understand until I go there. I mean, I've been to other parts of the Middle East, but it, it's different when you travel through versus immerse in, and you're trying to accomplish the Great Commission through a different region. So we want to pray uh, for you guys. I don't know. Is it okay to pray for y'all? Uh, can you come up? Family, come up or no? It's whoever you want. I didn't, okay, I, didn't, I always have to ask here. Will you come, Abby? Up? Haley, can you come up as well? <clears throat> Abby. So, do you mind come on, baby for girl. you? Are you not want to be seen? Like I don't. Wanna, you don't I know you're not. So you don't want to be photogenic. I know you don't want to be on any kind of pictures at all. She's gorgeous. She just turned sixteen. Like, oh wow, man, sixteen. Wow, I know that is. We were just talking about curbs a while ago. Love sixteen-year-olds. They're great. <laughs> I got one there. Yeah. So, hey, would you just uh, stand with us for a moment and just uh, as we pray for them, like, so this is a, understand, think if you can, it's hard, I'm, you know, I'm there with you, okay? It's hard for me to understand the level of where they are in the world, in the context of the world that they're living in right now. I, I'm listening, but it's hard because I'm not in it. So I'm doing the same thing with you, but can you imagine if this was, and they are your family, but... Imagine if it was your son or your daughter that was obeying God right now and said, here I am, Lord, send me. I would like for you just to put your heart on that for a moment as we pray for them. Because sometimes just to put your heart with your prayer, not just say a prayer, but just pause for a moment and say, this was my daughter, this is my son, there's my granddaughter, there's my brother, my sister, whatever. Say, oh, Lord. So can we go to before God and pray right now? Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the Clarks. And Father, we just stop for a moment to say we are grateful for what you're doing. And God, the stories that we just heard, which are one of many, 
Um, we sometimes forget, God, how blessed we are here that we aren't enduring some of these things. And so, Lord, just from a place of where we are, God, may you help us understand the great cost and sacrifice that our brothers and sisters in the Lord are giving right now in the nations where we may not go ever. But Lord, we pray over the families and the people that, that the Clarks are reaching. We ask you, Lord, in the midst of persecution, would you just give a grace that it was there in the, just like with Stephen in the book of Acts, Lord. May you just rest your grace upon them that even when in the midst of great persecution, he could look up and see the glory of God. And Lord, I just pray for Carol and I pray for Tim, I pray for Abby. I thank you for this mantle that you've put on them, Lord. God, for the Holy Spirit that you have directed them and given them the steps to take. I just pray and just ask, Lord, not just protection, guidance, direction, Lord. God, financial provision that goes beyond anything they've ever dreamed or even asked for. I pray, God, for the right people. God, that they, as they make disciples and they find new believers and they coach and mentor and train and develop these new men and women of Christ, I just pray, Lord, that, God, you give them the words, Lord. You give them the wisdom, give them the insight, Lord, to, to preach the gospel, to mentor and to disciple your church. And, Lord, I thank you that this context doesn't look like anything maybe we are familiar with, but I pray you would help us understand and see the greater vision of the kingdom of God that goes beyond four walls, that goes beyond a nation. But God, you want all to come to faith and repentance and the knowledge of you. So I just ask you right now, God, for the emotional strength in each one of them. I pray you would fill their hearts, Lord, with strength and encouragement, God, that you would surround them with people just like they're surrounding others. I pray for divine relationships that strengthen their hearts, encourage their minds. God, to give them that spark as well, that fire, just to remind them, God, you're you're good, man. We're for you. We're with you 100%. And Lord, to be there for them when they need them, just like they are there for the other folks in the Arab nations. And God, we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the angels of God that have gone out and administering these people, supernatural visitations and, and people coming to faith. And I just thank you that you provide angels that surround the Clarks, that everywhere they go, may your angels be present and surround them, Lord, like a mighty wall. And I thank you, God. Thank you for always leading them. Thank you for their steps. And I just pray for a great harvest of souls in the Arab nations. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Well, we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. amen. Come on, can y'all give these guys a hand, would you please? Man, so thankful to them. If you want to talk to them some more, they'll be around. Um, They'll probably hang out. We'll ask our prayer partners to come down front uh, right now. So those of you who pray for... Uh, people after church, you don't mind coming down front, down front now. They'll be around. Um, you guys want to hang out in here or you want to hang out out in the lobby? Where do you want to go? You, well, wherever they want. They'll be over here. They'll probably have a hard time getting out there. So if you want to see them, they'll be over here. Um, and if you want to say hey or you want more information about what they do, you can get that. Um, there's a card. There's some information on the wall. If you're on our outreach wall, outreach wall you can see it. <clears throat> and uh, I just encourage you to, to look into some things that they're doing, right? And so... Um, Anyway, I just want to encourage you with that. Gary's going to close out uh, today uh, with, with the church today and what we're doing. And, uh, man, I just want to say to you guys that uh, pray for them. She let you in on about that much that she cannot get into. Like, it is God asking God to move. Just please pray for them. 
just please pray for them. So, Gary, I'll let you wrap it up, sir. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Um, a couple of things. I got a text this morning from some friends that we work with out of Windshape early this morning, and I didn't know why we got it. And then when Pastor Jody shared about uh, the, the bowls of incense, or the prayers of, of his people, of, of us, our prayers. And that's why we take prayer so importantly. It's not just that we do this every week. It's our communication with God. It's how he knows what's going on with us and how he's going to work in our life. We don't do, we don't pray after service just to make you feel good. We believe that prayer changes things, that it happens to change things. And I thought this was very interesting. This is from a book by E.M. Bounds, who died in, in 1913. This book wasn't even published till 1920 after he died. He wrote these words, and I think it, it really goes along. I didn't know what he was going to share that th- this morning, but it says, God shapes the world by prayer. Prayers are deathless. The lips that uttered them may be closed in death. The heart that felt them may have ceased to beat. But the prayers live before God. And God's heart is set on them. Man, that's what the book of Revelation talks about. The prayers that we lift up to him never die. They they go to God's ear. It says his heart is set on our prayers. So if there's something today... It may be the very first time today you prayed for something and you want God to do something in your life or you prayed every day for the year after year and you've never seen the answer. I believe that those prayers have reached God's ears and it says that his heart is set on our prayer. So just remember that's for somebody today um, here. As we close, I just want to remind you, um, if you want to give money to Cornerstone Church, we're going to find a way to take it from you. Um, gladly. Um, I'm one of the elders here, so we we uh, we talk about this uh, often. Um, so there's ways you can give online. Most people do that now. We have offering boxes in the back. If you'd like to put an envelope in there, uh, you can do that as well. Um, but really, our challenge is we get into the season right now. You're doing your taxes. You looked at the money you made last year. And think about where you've invested your money this year. I know things cost more. Um, eggs are terribly high. Um everything else that you go to is. But think about where your money has gone. If you want a good place to invest your money, Cornerstone Church is a good place to do it. As a church here, we support Clarks. We support them and some other outside ministries. Every month, we take 10% of what comes in, and we use it at ministries outside of this church, Uh, most of them outside of the country here. So we support them. What they're doing there, you guys have a piece of that here. So I'm just going to encourage you, as you look at your finances and you really say, challenge you, um, where's the Lord? Where's the Lord want you to put your money? So, as always, we're going to leave you out here with uh, the, the blessing out of uh, Numbers. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you, give you His peace. God bless you. Have a great week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, There's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.